Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to March 2021. This is our CT quiz of the month. We have 10 cases. Um, I hope you like them. In this patient with chest pain and suspected dissection, what's the best diagnosis? Well, when you look at this, chest pain is one of the most common things we'll look at in CT. And we're looking for PE, we're looking for dissection, but you gotta look at everything. And what you see here is a filling defect in the patient's left atrium. You could think about a thrombus, but it's somewhat lobulated. And then you think about its location. It's very close to the patient's uh, right atrium. That's a classic location. It's not a dissection, it's not a PE, and it's in the left atrium, not the right, but I don't think it's a thrombus anyway, if that was a choice. This is a great location for a left atrial myxoma. Appearance and location, a most classic, and that was the diagnosis. The best diagnosis in this case of a patient with an abdominal mass is, and I've given you four really good choices, but when you look at the mass, you say, wait a second, this mass is water density. It's maybe as a septation, it has some mild displacements, but it's not obstructing, it's not invading, it's smooth. What is it near? It's near the bowel, it's near mesenteric vessels. It's coming near the pancreas. I could think about things like maybe a lymphoepithelial cyst of the pancreas, but that's not one of my choices, but it'll be a good choice. I can think about lymphoma, but that's usually solid. Sclerosing mesenteritis is solid, 70% of calcification. This is not sclerosing mesenteritis. Carcinoid tumors are masses in the mesentery. They're solid, 70% of calcifications. Desmoplastic reaction, no. This is a simple case. This is benign looking. This was a lymphangioma, just a classic example. They can be small like this one, or they can be a lot larger. They're usually gonna be incidental findings on CT. In this patient with GI bleed, what's the least likely diagnosis? Now, we do lots of CTs with GI bleeding, and here it's very straightforward. I see a mass involving the small bowel. This is with positive contrast material. I can go through a differential. I can say lymphoma. I can say small bowel adenocarcinoma. Those are possibilities. I can see metastasis. Carcinoid tumor, eh, not a great location, no desmoplastic reaction, nothing in the mesentery. It's a possibility but I'm dealing with a solid mass. To me, this is gonna be a malignancy. So when you look at the possible choices, it's not gonna be a pseudomass. That's a real thing. Or it could be lymphoma, definite possibility. Gist tumors can be vascular, but they don't need to be. And melanoma is a great example of a solid mass. Now, in fact, this was metastatic melanoma. That was the right answer to what the tumor was. But the best answer in this case is D, a pseudomass. This was not a pseudomass. This is obviously a tumor. And again, the importance of good protocols really show you the mass very nicely. The most likely diagnosis in this case is, give you four really good choices. And that's a really good set of choices for this case where there's a mesenteric mass. But the mass is densely calcified. So to me, I guess it could be, you can have a um, just tumor that calcifies. You can have carcinoid tumors commonly calcify. Sclerosing mesenteritis commonly calcifies. But when you look at images without looking at the choices, the thing that's most impressive to me is there's no desmoplastic reaction. You can have calcified nodes, maybe from radiation therapy, maybe from prior treatment. 
uh, with, with oncologic drugs. You can have a calcified mass from an old hematoma. But when you look at that appearance, it's best sclerosing mesenteritis. Lymphoma, again, unless you had lymphoma with radiation, you're not going to have calcification. Just tumors typically do not calcify to that extent. And carcinoid tumors can have calcification, 70% do, but the desmoplastic reaction is something you need to see. This was a wonderful example of sclerosing mesenteritis. In this patient with muscle weakness and depression, what's the best diagnosis? So I've given you some clinical symptoms. Clinical symptoms are very important. When we look at cases, the clinical symptoms can take a differential diagnosis of 10 and make it into one. So what do you see here? A right parasophageal, paratracheal mass that's enhancing. Yes, it could be adenopathy. Metastatic renal cell carcinoma gives vascular nodes. But I've given you more history. And the history I was pushing you to was something that relates to the parathyroid. This patient had hyperparathyroidism, which is what the symptoms were from, and this was an ectopic parathyroid adenoma. Again, could this be metastatic renal? Sure, but that won't explain the symptoms clinically. Small cell renal, small cell lung cancer, eh, doesn't enhance like that. Lymphoma also typically doesn't enhance. So you could argue metastatic renal, ectopic parathyroid adenoma, with a clinical history, it's D, ectopic parathyroid adenoma. In this young female with chest pain during dinner, what's the best diagnosis? Well, when you look at the images, you see a filling defect in the distal esophagus, and on the sagittal view, you beautifully see that filling defect is pretty large with fluid above it. Now, what could it be? You could think about all the things that give you dilated esophagus. You could think about reflux. You could think about achalasia. You could think about cancer obstructing, forgetting the age of the patient. But there's something in the esophagus. And this is a classic finding. We've seen a number of cases where the patients ate too big a piece of steak. And surprisingly, it's younger women who you don't think like steak even or don't eat big bites. It's not esophagitis alone. These patients will often be proven to have eosinophilic esophagitis. Some of them have had multiple episodes in the past and they have strictures. Achalasia gives you a big dilated esophagus with lots of residual flu food. Reflux esophagitis, maybe some thickening, but you wouldn't see this big mass there. And this was steak. And actually the histories invariably are always the same. It's always the patient ate steak. Maybe they ate too fast. And usually they've had something like this before but this is the episode that brings them to medical attention. Another example of a patient with chest pain. What's the best diagnosis? Again, you could see four interesting choices. Now, in this case, you have a markedly dilated esophagus filled with fluid and food. The transition's at the GE junction. This is not reflux. To get an esophagus this big, the classic is achalasia. Now, with swallowed food, you see a filling defect in the distal esophagus and fluid above it, but it's not this dilated. To be this dilated, it's something long-standing. That's achalasia. It's not reflux esophagitis alone, and it's not even esophagitis by any cause. This is achalasia, a very critical diagnosis. The least likely diagnosis in this case is, now, I always find least likely to be somewhat difficult at times, 
we're looking at a hodgepodge of diseases here. So really, you got to say, what's the key finding? Well, the key finding is this soft tissue in the perirenal spaces bilaterally. Now, when I see perirenal space thickening or infiltration, I always think about lymphoma. But there are other things to think about. Ernheim Chester, it's a common thing that we'll see infiltrating the peri and pararenal spaces bilaterally. Classic diagnosis. It's also an appearance of extramedullary hematopoiesis. And in fact, this case is extramedullary hematopoiesis. That's an uncommon case or a common place for extramedullary hematopoiesis. We see them usually in the periotic regions, be it the chest or in the pelvis, but it can occur. You can see perirenal bleeds, but when are you going to get bilateral perirenal bleeds? And this doesn't look high density like it's blood. So that was the least likely diagnosis. As I mentioned, this was a wonderful case of extramedullary hematopoiesis, but it could have been lymphoma or Ernheim-Chester disease as well. This patient had a partial nephrectomy and now is hematuria. What's the best diagnosis? So without looking at the images, you know you're looking for a complication. You say, well, you worry about tumor recurrence. That's always a possible complication. You worry about bleed. You worry about abscess. You worry about infarction, perhaps. But here you see a very bright structure. When you look at it with a CTA, it's really a vessel. That's a classic appearance for renal artery pseudoaneurysm. It is one of the complications, postpartial nephrectomies. Tumor recurrence is always a possibility, but not immediately, and it doesn't look like that. This is surely not normal post-op findings, and it's really not an act of bleed per se. It's a pseudoaneurysm, which ends up being embolized. So again, CT is great for detecting tumors, planning surgery, looking for recurrence, and looking for complications after the patient has treatment. The most likely diagnosis for the adrenal mass in this 50-ish year old patient with weight loss is which of the following. Now, it's not uncommon for have incidental adrenal lesions. Now, you can have even primary adrenal carcinoma 15% of the time it's an incidental finding. The most common presentation is Cushing's, of course. But you look at this lesion and you say, what is it that I know about it? Well, it's solid, so it's not going to be a myelolipoma. Also, it's increased uptake on the PET scan. So what do you think about? Could be primary tumor, could be metastatic. Then you see lots of tumor or nodes in the mediastinum. So now you say, okay, I'm dealing with something in the chest and something in the adrenal. Now it is possible for primary adrenal carcinoma to metastasize to the mediastinum, but usually it goes to the lungs. Lymphoma can involve the mediastinum, but unilateral involvement by lymphoma is uncommon and this is a really big mass, though so lymphomas can be big masses, but here it looks like it's more than lymphoma. Myelolipoma, you got to see fat in the lesion. It's not positive on PET typically, and you're surely not going to have mediastinal disease unless it's myelolipoma with a lung cancer. And so the most likely diagnosis for this case is metastatic small cell carcinoma. So it's a primary lung cancer, which was metastatic to the patient's adrenal gland. So with that, I've showed you 10 cases. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope you found them interesting, and I hope to see you next time. Have a great day. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctss.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.